the sun is shining and Kane is assisting. Hello FPL Surgery listeners, on this episode we discuss Spurs assets, whether Man United assets have gone from invest to avoid in the space of a weekend, Kevin De Bruyne, Sterling or both, do we go light at the back with so many enticing premium options in midfield and up top, and finally we go through the budget midfielders we have available to us. Welcome back listeners to episode 187 of the FPL Surgery podcast, we are recording on Tuesday the 22nd of September 2020. Now, we've had a record-breaking game week with 44 goals across the 10 matches, four red cards and eight penalties. This was a game week where Dominic Calvert-Lewin getting three goals is only enough for a bronze medal. And more importantly, we also get to hear how much money Josh made during his game week one wild card. Hello, Josh. Evening, Rich. Hi, mate. How, how did the, the wild card go? Did you, did you make the millions you were anticipating? I didn't because the uh, the lovely guys at FPL didn't tell us that they were going to freeze the prices of the Man City, <laughs> Man United, Aston Villa and Burnley players. So that was lovely of them to uh, to not let us know. But it was only uh, only one of the factors I did it and, um, you know, points over pounds and all that. No, that's true. I mean, I, I did feel for you when it got to about Thursday or Friday and we started to realise maybe De Bruyne is not going to rise in price. But like like you say, it was it was only one of the reasons, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, I've got them in and, uh, you know, moving forward and focusing on, on game week three um, with my with my transfers now. So all good. Now, this week's guest, he's the king of the thread, founder of the Playmaker app. He's come top 50 in Sky Fantasy twice and has four top 20k finishes within the last six seasons, with his highest finish being 6,576. Neil Murray, aka Ronaldinho, how's your week been? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one to, to come on the pod. Very happy to be here, although the timing could have been better. It was one of the most insane roller coaster weekends I've ever had playing FPL. So a lot of a lot of highs and a lot more lows. Yeah, it was quite it was quite a polarizing week for for a lot of people. So I can't wait to hear about you hear about your team in a minute. But yeah, like I said, 44 goals and they weren't spread around at all, were they? It seemed to be certain players did a lot better than others. Yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was a bit rough uh, on on some people and very rewarding for others. And I think, as you said in the intro, you know, uh, on on the Saturday morning first game, Dominic Calvert Lewin hat trick. Um, someone that I had uh, got in for a, for a hit, I was feeling like a genius at that point. But you know, it quickly it quickly derailed, and I think that FPL has never made a fool out of me quite so much as it did that weekend. Where I, I think I even tweeted, you know, trust your instincts because I was so pleased with myself that Calvert Lewin had scored a hat trick. I'd, I'd obviously sold him for Mitrovic. Um, and and kind of when he got two, I I felt oh okay well this I think I'm about one point up on this hit, and the other part of that hit was was bringing in Marshall for for Kane and yeah everyone knows the rest of that. And now we're going to go over to Alan. So Alan, not only this week is he going to round up our game week two stats, but he's got some key injury information as well. Obviously being a medical doctor. Over to you, Alan. Hi guys, Alan here again with some stats from game week two, and we might throw some injury updates in there for good measure. We start off with the game week's biggest overachievers, where we have Hyung Min Son topping the charts with four goals from a combined XG of 1.24, scoring four goals from four shots. Should be remembered, of course, that he has a history of overperforming his XG. 
Leeds United keep overperforming their XG, with winger Helder Costa scoring two goals from a combined XG of 0.14. And continuing our Patrick Bamford watch, he has now scored two goals from a total XG of the season on 0.14, and it seemed like he's really cashing in on all that XG he had in store from the last two seasons. Biggest underachiever of the game week was, of course, Jay Adams, scoring no times from an XG of 0.92. Over the first two game weeks, he is the second biggest underachiever with a combined XG of 1.14. Topping the charts is Richarlison, scoring zero times from a combined XG of 1.45. He has, of course, gotten his owners a few assists to soothe the wounds. Bruno Fernandes had the most touches in the final third of the game week with 64, but in close second we have Andy Robertson with 60. Salah had 56 for context. With Robbo being on a lot more set pieces this season, he is someone to watch out for as he looks to play a bigger part. And a look at his heat map from the game against Chelsea is something I recommend you do. Alexander Mitrovic and Dominic Calvert-Lewin had the most shots on target for the game week with six each, while Kevin De Bruyne matched them with four shots on target, reminding everyone exactly how much of FPL royalty he is. He topped the charts for chances created with six. Mo Salah, Bruno Fernandes and, interestingly, Luca Dean all tied for second with five chances created. Aston Villa topped the charts for most chances created by a team with 18 and Everton had the most shots with 17. We should note of course that both these teams played a large portion of the game against 10 men. Looking at some injuries this week, the biggest news I've picked up is, of course, the injury to Alan St. Maximin. He injured his ankle in the 10th minute, going in on a challenge on Tariq Lamptey, and had visible problems moving after that. He was later substituted and has now been yellow flagged. You'll remember he also got injured in the League Cup earlier when he was subbed off after coming on. He let out a scream of pain before landing, which leads me to believe that it was some sort of ligament injury. And I think it's reasonable to say he could miss one or two games. And on Monday night, Marcel, the new signing for Wolverhampton Wonders, got subbed at the 8th minute, giving Ruben Vinagre owners some hope that he could cement a place in the starting 11. Marcel has had some issues with the abductor muscles, and it seems to have been the case this time as well. I watched the game for the first 8 minutes a couple of times, monitoring him specifically. It didn't seem to be in that much discomfort and even after he was subbed he moved about quite freely i don't think he will be out for that long ruben vinagre might get a game or two at the most and that's all i have for now folks back to you rich brilliant thanks alan um yes so what we do now is we go over our teams from last week so if we can start with you then josh so obviously you wildcarded last week how did how did that go yeah good um so we've got Game week score of 68. So, yeah, 69 game week one, 68 game week two. So, um, pretty uh, pretty consistent at the moment. So, I'm happy with that. Captained um, Abamyang. The big scorers in my team were Martinez uh, in goal with a penalty save, De Bruyne and uh, DCL. They were, the, they were the big three, really. Um, so, yeah, really happy with that. Great Monday night. I had two players playing on Monday night. 
um, and that was Martinez and, and De Bruyne, and they were two of the, the top scorers yeah, yesterday evening. So, um, so yeah, happy with that, happy with the game week. Yeah, I wanted uh, Martinez to get sent off because I had steer um, stopping McCarthy, um, you know, coming coming on, but wasn't wasn't to be, wasn't to be. So, yeah, nice score again, Josh. Neil, how, how was your week? Obviously, you've touched on it was a very up and down game week. So take us through it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, t- I took a hit to get to get Calvert-Lewin and and Marshall for Mitrovic and, and Kane. And it, it looked like it was paying off very nicely. And I think after the first game, probably 17 points up on the hit just from Calvert-Lewin. And obviously I ended up um, 18 points down. So it was a 35-point swing from from where I thought I was was going to be to where I ended up. So uh, honestly, one of the biggest kind of roller coasters in, in one day that I've had in FPL, especially like when, when you think you're doing well and all of a sudden you're not. So yeah, it was an interesting game week. I ended up on 56 points minus the, the, the four, so 52. Um, I think a game week rank of around three and a half million. I captain a Bamiang. It was always the plan, even though I'm not even 100% sure I believed in it, but I, but I went through with it and, and at least there was some level of a return. Yeah, I think he looked like he looked like to me, um, you know, the, the best captain on paper. So I can yeah, I can completely understand that. And I guess it's it's one of the downsides of having these game weeks so spread out. The fact you you know you celebrated your Calvert Lewin <laughs> Calvert Lewin points at Saturday lunchtime, and then by Sunday afternoon it's you know it's completely turned on its head for you. But I, I still think I mean it, it could have been worse. At least you got Calvert Lewin in. Otherwise it could have been you know a disaster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't moan, right? I mean, the, the, on some level, that I, I mean, I transferred a player in that, that scored a hat trick, right? But it, it still feels like it was a pretty bad week, even though I'm aware there were, there were people with with kind of worse scores than that. So maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't be feeling too sorry for myself. I think it was more that I was kind of annoyed at myself for making a move that you know probably went against a lot of the things that I believe in. And and I still did that, right? And so it was more beating myself up about the decision to kind of sell sell Kane and Mitrovic rather than the decision to necessarily transfer Calvert Lewin and Marshall in. Kane, actually, now you mentioned him, he he actually saved my game week because I didn't have any Everton players, but I got 56 points thanks to Harry Kane with his 21 pointer. So yeah, just I think my loyalty to Kane has it saved me from a complete disaster. And he's now he's kind of made up for me not having Salah last week because obviously they're on the they're on the same points. So my move that I did last week, I mentioned it on the pod, didn't I? I got rid of Havertz. I moved into William. So I, I gained a point there because Havertz was subbed early. But really, if I'd gone James Rodriguez, you know, that would have been a lot, lot better. But we we move on now. Uh, we move on to our to our patrons. So we'd like to thank all our patrons. Um, and Jack Spillman has joined this week at the private league level. With that private league, you can win a hundred pound cash prize for for winning it all. And you know we can only do entry for the next few weeks. If you want to join the FPL Surgery, Surgery Patreon, please Google FPL Surgery Patreon. You can send a stamped address envelope to Iceman in Hampshire or go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. As always, we'd like to thank the people who pledge at the highest tier and they get this extra special mention each and every week. So Andy Portlock, Vince Poyle, Ron Frosk and Ross from FPL Merch. 
So now we go back to the headlines. First headline is, do we need Spurs asset with their upcoming fixture run? And we've got a question from, I'm, I'm sorry, Neil, FPL Pingreen asking, would you keep Kane on a wild card? If we go to you first then, Josh, what do you think about the Spurs, Spurs assets? I mean, you, you have Son, is that right? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, don't have Son. Haven't owned any Spurs players this season so far. Didn't uh, in for game week one. Didn't include any of my wild card. I mean, I think, you know, we can all probably say that, yes, Southampton didn't look great game week one. They obviously got beaten by Brentford in the Carabao Cup at home 2-0. So they were going into this low on confidence, but I don't think we quite expected that scoreline and that, um, you know, the goal involvement from from Son and Kane to be quite as high as that. Um, so, no, I don't I don't have them. I think out of the two of them, if I'm honest with you, moving forward, I actually would side with Kane over Son at the moment, and I'm normally the other way around. Um, I think the way that I look at it is Kane is, is yes, all right, he, you know, he got four assists at the weekend and he's obviously been a lot more creative now than he has been in the past. And that's great. Adds another element to his game. But he's only scored one goal um, so far this season. So there's plenty to come from him. And yes, you could argue Sun looked great. There's plenty to come from him too. But if you look at his numbers that he's got for the last four seasons, um, you know, he's been he's been he's been a great great FPL player um, pretty much since he's been at Spurs. Last season he scored 11 goals, the season before 12, the season before that 12 and the season before that 14. So really, um, you know, he's already scored four. Um, you know, even if you gave him the benefit of the doubt and said, you know, he's going to have his best season yet, he's going to score 16. You could argue he's scored 25% of his goals already. Um, and that really is the way that I sometimes look at it as in it's not just about look at a player look what he's done look at the form he's in look at the fixtures that's coming up which is which is the obvious way to look at it I think sometimes you've got to look at the end result and the season and say what are you expecting from Sun across the season and if he's if his max goals in a season is 14 you say okay I'll give him the benefit of doubt 16 to to score 25% already I would say if you had his points, great. Keep him if you're not wildcarding. If you're wildcarding, move on. Or And if you're wildcarding and you didn't have him, don't pick him up now because I feel like you've missed the boat. So you don't think Son could score 76 goals this season? I definitely don't. And I think okay, the thing yeah. is, is what you've got to think about Son is you got to think, yes, he's a great player. Yes, he's consistently you know, up there as one of the, you know, uh, as a consistent FPL performer, both in terms of goals and assists. He was one of the only players in the league last season to get double-figure goals scored and double-figure assists. There wasn't many that did it. But really, is he going to be up there with the top goal scorers at the end of the season? And the answer for me is simply no, not to mention that his output is going to be impacted when Bale comes along without a doubt as well. Um, so, I just I just feel that, you know, there's a lot of people that will be wildcarding this week, as we know, that will be looking at Sun and go, wow, what an amazing performance. I'm getting him straight in my team. And I would personally sit on the side of, well, is that the right move? Or actually, should you look at it as I've probably missed the boat on that one? You know, he's got four goals. 
and I'm, I'm going to actually, instead of jumping on the back of Sun, who was the biggest performer last week, um, I'm actually going to look for the next haul and the next player who is due um, to to explode in the game. Neil, I'm sorry to ask you about Spurs players um, after what we heard about earlier, but I mean, I mean, what's what's your take on them? Are you thinking about getting one back in? Do you regret selling Kane, for example? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I regret selling Kane now, but. I actually think when you when you look at that game, to be honest, I think it says more about Southampton than it did Tottenham. I think mm. playing a high line against a Mourinho side with players like Son is is you know it's almost suicidal. Um, and you know they did it. The game they conceded nine against Leicester last year is similar, right? They you 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 play that high line against someone with Vardy who plays counter-attacking football. That's what happens, and it happened again. This weekend, um, and Kane before that game has 20 career assists. 20, right? Wow. He got four in that game. It's like 16.66 percent <laughs> of his career assists in one game. So, if you look at it like that, I think this game was more kind of a freak occurrence and and said a lot about Southampton. I also had a look at how many games, you know, did it take Leicester to actually score more than two goals? after they put nine against Southampton last year. I think it was in there. It took them another six games before they recorded more than two goals in the game following that. So again, it wasn't necessarily about that attack. It was more about kind of how that game unfolded. And I think it was the same here. And when I look at Spurs going forward, I think about, you know, are there many teams that are actually going to either play a high line or come on to them? Because I think that's when Tottenham are more dangerous on the attack. And three of the next four are Newcastle, Burnley and West Ham. And, you know, while you might say, look, teams that you would expect them to put maybe one, two, three goals against, I'm not sure that actually the style of play of those teams necessarily is a good fit for how Tottenham are attacking these days. So I I feel like it's quite safe to go without them still, despite this weekend. And and if anything, I I would be looking at investing in their defence over their attack. It is an interesting one because you do make me feel a bit lucky that obviously Kane got four assists. Um, you know, he looked like Kevin De Bruyne spraying the ball around for Son. One thing, I, one thing I would say is, I mean, he did have two goals disallowed as well. And obviously they were offside, so they should have been disallowed. But yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Kane. And I, I was looking at the stats. And I don't know how much you can read into this after, after two games. But Newcastle have joint most shots conceded centrally with 10 after two games and they I mean they looked horrendous against Brighton obviously I, t- I take your point playing Southampton in the second half anyway because they, they looked pretty poor in the first half Spurs and I was you know I was looking forward to getting rid of Kane but I, I'm thinking that I'm thinking of keeping Kane um, I'm also thinking about bringing in Son because I mean he dropped to 8.9 he's back up to 9 million now they, they are talisman as well that's another thing I'd say that they don't tend to spread the goals around I mean as, as that game showed um, obviously five goals all of them Kane was involved with. I think one thing I'd add to it is, um, is, as we well know, there's so many premium players this season and you can only have so many of them. Do you really want to take up two of those spots of, you know, nine million plus players with two players from the same team? And equally, how often will you captain those, those two? Now, I think Kane's great. He's... A little bit like Bruno in the way that I think that he will trickle in points and, yes, will be one of the top scorers by the end of the season. But 
do I feel confident knowing when to captain Kane and when not to captain Kane? If I'm honest with you, I don't. And I haven't done for a while now. I think the, the, the days of really being able to easily predict Harry Kane's points have kind of gone. And, you know, is he better at home? Is he better away? Is he better against, um, you know, what, what sort of defence is he, is he better against? Um, and I think for me, I just wouldn't, I think he's a great player to own. I think he's he's he's, he's a risk to captain, and I think Sun is 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 kind of similar. I think Sun's probably a little bit easier to predict, um, but again, how often are you going to captain him when you've got City assets, Liverpool assets, Aubameyang, United assets? Obviously, once United get going, Chelsea assets, all all you know, all looking you know to put the captaincy on them as well. You both of you, I mean, pretend you were on, on wildcard. Would you be getting a Spurs player in this week? No, I, I might consider Dyer or Davies. I, I still fancy their defence, even though it hasn't really shown in those first couple of games. I don't think that I would put Kane or Son in. But if I had those players right now, I would not make the same mistake as I did this week. And I would call them a hold rather than a sell. Josh, obviously you've wildcarded already. You didn't bring any Spurs players in. Would yeah. you, do, you, do you regret that decision? I mean, obviously in hindsight, you regret that decision. But I mean, if you were wildcarding this week, would you get a Spurs player in? Would you agree with Neil about a defender maybe? Or? It's not really any of the defenders that I particularly like, if I'm honest with you. I think Doherty right now is overpriced for what you're getting from him. I don't really like centre-backs in general. And then the left-back um, side of things with the new signing uh, from, from Real Madrid or Davies, you don't know when the new signing is going to take that spot. So I just avoid um, personally. But yeah, Dyer out of all of them is probably the most attractive. But yeah, not for me. Attacking-wise, I feel like if you wanted one, I would go Kane over Sun now. Um, and I know that's probably what people weren't expecting to hear, but I would always look at, OK, what's, you know, what's happened? What's what are we expecting the end result to be? And, and, and looking at the way that data and, and stats always regress to the mean, really. And, and I do strongly feel that jumping on board Sun now, if you didn't have those points and you're on a wild card or even if you're using a transfer to get to him, is 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 not is not personally a good move. Um, I quite like the idea of of probably also leaving leaving Spurs this week and then next week when they're away to United and then revisiting it game week five when they've got a good run of four fixtures: West Ham at home, Burnley away, Brian at home, West Brom away. Mm. So give it give it a couple of weeks, see how things. Um, you know, let the dust settle a little bit. The other thing that we've not mentioned, which was you know a hot topic prior to prior to all this, was was their European commitments. You know, it was only Thursday night prior to the Southampton game that they were playing away in Bulgaria. Um, so you'd you really expecting them to to go you know away to Bulgaria, sorry, away in Bulgaria and then away um, at Southampton to to be quite tired and leggy. Um, when they, as soon as they put out a full strength team, um, that obviously wasn't the case, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen um, another time throughout this congested fixture run that they've got. No. And to, to answer Ping Green's question, you know, would you keep Kane on a wild card? I'm looking at keeping him, and I'm actually also looking at getting Son in just because of his value. 
because he's 8.9 million or he's gone up to nine since I got him. I think he's the perfect player if you're wildcarding to move on to some someone like Pulisic, maybe back to Havertz if he starts looking a bit better. I, I kind of like that that kind of price that Son's at. But I, I take what you're both saying. I could be a situation where I avoid them. You know, I'm personally looking at going with both. Um, so now we move on to our second topic. So that's have Manchester United gone from a team we invest in. So a lot of people were taking hits last week to a team that people are now avoiding. So Alex in our Slack channel said, hi, uh, can we have some chat about what to do with Manchester United assets? And can you discuss the three main options separately as well? Thanks. If we go to you first, Neil, do you have any Man United players? I mean, I know you've got Martial. Is is he your only one or do you have any other ones? No, he's my only one. And he's kind of my my pick of them. Um, and that's kind of who I felt most comfortable with um, for, for several reasons. I think Josh made a good point last week, actually, in terms of in, increased bonus. I just like his price point. Uh, I think he's going to I think he's going to be great value. And I think he's one for me where the eye test is really stood out and and kind of when I've watched him in those games at the end of last season I just really felt that he had he had hit a certain level of kind of form and consistency that we hadn't seen in him before and and for me he looked the most dangerous asset for United so he's the one that uh, that I want to go for the way I like to play the game is I actually like to choose a couple of players each year with relatively high ownership that I'm actually willing to kind of take a bet against um, and Bruno certainly falls in that category for me. I think you know we, we've seen a lot of penalties so far this season, so you know maybe that's gonna maybe that's gonna continue. But kind of betting against the, the quantity of penalties that they got, and kind of the f- quite a few kind of lucky assists where it was sideway passes and then someone banged it into the top corner. <laughs> I felt Bruno was quite quite lucky at the end of last season so he's someone that I've kind of identified as you know I, I'm I'm okay taking a, a bet against that for United the way I look at them is I think this season we have to consider them as a completely different proposition not because of that game or or how they're going to play moving forward but just because of their price so if you look at the the three main assets that that people were targeting at the end of last season. So whether that's Greenwood, Bruno, and then either Marshall or Rashford, last season that was taking up about a fifth of your budget if we're talking 100 mm. mil. This season it's taken up a third. So that's an entirely different proposition. So even if you feel like they can hit the same kind of heights they did from an attacking perspective after, you know, after Project Restart, I still think it's it's just like a completely different question you've got to ask yourself. Do I really want to invest that heavily? And for me, I I think that, you know, I, I don't think anything's changed. I, they lost to Crystal Palace in that game last year. Um, I think their defence looks shaky. Um, and even though they had strong kind of expected goals conceded last year, they still managed to ship like one a game. Um, so I'm not keen on the defence. But I, I think I'm still happy with Marshall. I'm still happy to cover their attack with, with one but I don't necessarily think think you need more than one yeah I think it was um un, you mentioned it it was unprecedented value that we had with those players last year I mean Greenwood what was he 4.5 million I mean that was ridiculous Bruno was obviously added partway through the season and he was yeah he was clearly underpriced and then we had Martial you know, as a, as a cheap midfielder with that um as Holtz puts it you know he had, a, he had an injury discount 
So I don't, yeah, I can't see us getting the, that kind of value um, out of, and I guess it's finding that that new value as well. I mean, maybe Chelsea can offer some value, but again, it won't be as cheap as Man United were last year. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about them, Josh? Do, do you have any other the Man United assets? Just got Martial as well. Um, yeah. He was my favoured of the three, him, Bruno or Rashford. I think the thing is they've got such a great run of games from game week three to game week 11. And you've got to remember as well, when you've got these home games against Spurs, Chelsea and Arsenal, maybe not so great from a defensive perspective, but from an attacking perspective, they do do really well normally record-wise against the, the other top six or traditionally top six teams. So... I think really I'll, I'll just I'll just sit on Martial and hold him until I see a better option. Really, I think Jimenez has got a great run of games. Um, he he's an option, um, but but really for me it would have to be a bit of a, a luxury transfer to to swap one for the other. I think also I'd I'd feel a lot more um, comfortable captaining Martial than I would uh, Jimenez uh, with with a plum fixture. He's got a higher ceiling. Um, and that's the reason why I prefer him over the likes of Jimenez or Rings, really. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I'm just going to stick with one. I'm not going to not going to invest um, in, in, in any more than that and, uh, until they look a lot, lot better. But I, I can't see myself removing. I'm, I'm happy to be patient with it for a bit because um, I think um, uh, it shouldn't take too long for them to hit their stride, really. No. Yeah, I still think, I mean, I'm happy. One of the few things I've done right this season was not getting a Man United asset, but I didn't feel confident about it. I'm not looking at any of their assets on my wild card. And I still think um, that Bruno's a bit overpriced. And it was interesting when um, Donny van der Beek, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, came on. Bruno seemed to go even deeper than he, than he was before. And for 10.5 million when we've got players like De Bruyne and Sterling for just a million more I mean I'm not going going near Bruno I think I mean I think we covered it quite well quite quite well last week yeah it sounds like maybe maybe hold one like you guys are holding Martial but I wouldn't go crazy trying to fit two or three in we move on to our third topic Kevin De Bruyne Sterling or both if we can go back back to you then Neil what are you thinking with with the Man City boys yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a decision that I was going to say most people are faced with this week, but I think a lot of people have already moved on it already with with KDB's B's price rise. Um, but I'm kind of considering, you know, which one do I want to go with first? Do I want to double up? And then I would even potentially talk about tripling up with Foden as well. But that's another question. Um, mm. What one thing that I think is is interesting that I like to think about, and I think actually Josh even mentioned it when we talked about Son and Kane and kind of, you know, you don't really want to double up on attacking teams necessarily. Maybe that's a different question when it's Man City, one of the the best attacking teams in the league. But I still think people do have a reluctance to double up sometimes. So so some of the things I think about is, is it a strategic advantage to actually go Sterling and KDB because people will be reluctant to actually do that? So I'm tempted to do that just on for that basis, really. In, in terms of who you go for, I also think it depends on your risk appetite. I mean, there, there's no there's no denying that that KDB kind of has the the highest floor, but I do think Sterling has the highest ceiling. And you know, if you look at their ownership, it's like 37% KDB, 5% Sterling. For someone like myself who likes to play the game quite risky, 
I'm very tempted to actually just just go with Sterling uh, this week. Um, the other reasons for that is I actually think that you know they have less. I really like the Leeds fixture for Sterling, like really, really mm. like that. Um, for me, even a captaincy option in that game. Um, but I I feel like Leicester Leeds Arsenal. I can see them all being kind of Sterling games. Um, and I think the other thing to to look out for here is saw an article on the Telegraph is behind a paywall, so I didn't didn't read it, but I read the clickbait headline that uh, KDB was saying, you know, he's he's in his new found role as a ten, um, which with the penalties as well could really really change my thinking on on which one to go for, but. I think he actually played as a 10 in, in quite a few games last year where it was against tougher opposition. So it remains to be seen, really, whether that is kind of where he'll always play. But, you know, I, I think it's hard with the penalties as well uh, to look against KDB. I, I think you're, you're very brave to do that. And I think even if I go Sterling for, for the short term, I, I could well end up with both. I, I do think it, it's hard not to go with KDB. I've, I've just realized I think we're all going to have very, very similar answers here because uh, I feel exactly the same way. I always lean Sterling over De Bruyne, but then De Bruyne's yeah, he's an incredible asset as well. And like you like yourself, I captain Sterling a lot. I mean, he did me well at the end of last season. So I just basically I completely agree with every everything you say there. And I already know what Josh is going to say. But Josh, what, what's your feeling on it? See, I'm KDB over Sterling. Um, oh, okay, maybe not then. <laughs> the only reason why I think Sterling is 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 probably of equal um, importance at the moment is because Aguero's out, and we know what Sterling's record when Gabriel Jesus plays is is a lot better. His stats are a lot better. But yeah, if I had to pick one of the, one of the two, and I could only get one in, hundred percent KDB. Um, but you're going for both, right? I'm going for both. I'm bringing yeah. I'm bringing Sterling Sterling in for Bamiang this week, and that's my move. Obviously, not making it early though, because after all this uh, coronavirus move, I actually think I'll quite happily take the point um, one drop on a Bamiang and just um, buy my time on it and make sure that uh, it's too there's patient. Nothing, nothing. There's nothing crazy. You know, there's this 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 these are uh, unprecedented times. I think we need to be a little <laughs> bit more careful with early transfers. I'm never normally an early transfer person anyway, but this is uh, this even more than ever. But no, I think um, for me the reason I love I love KDB is it's just avenues to points. I mean, he is you know he takes all the set pieces and the pens. Um, he's uh, obviously now playing further forward. Um, just it's just got so much to his game, and I think he's easier to predict than Sterling. While I love Sterling, and he has got a great um, ceiling in terms of captaincy, hitting that ceiling the right week is tough. And I think with KDB, it's it's a lot easier. Um, although he got a great haul last night away to Wolves, he is typically a home. Um, hauler in terms of his points whereas Sterling has been away recently but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that flipped this season and he and he started scoring more points at home than, than he has done recently maybe I'm just really lucky because you mentioned that the Kane halls are hard to captain and you mentioned the Sterling halls are hard to captain but I mean I've had good experiences with both um, so maybe it all depends on on your experience with that player because yeah I, I love captain in Sterling and I only captains 
De Bruyne once last year, and that was because Sterling didn't even play. It's actually also, it's very interesting. You mentioned that um, Sterling plays better with Jesus, because I saw this tweet on Twitter from FPL Mazala. Now, he's basically paraphrased what Sam Lee from The Athletic said. And he said that Aguero could well be back sooner than Guardiola suggested on Friday. So there's rumours on the comments from that that it could be after the international break. I mean, would either of you look at Jesus, for example? I know we talk, we talk, spoke about KDB, we spoke about Sterling, but Neil, would you look at Jesus in light of that news? Yeah, I would. I would consider him. I think for me, one of, like I actually like players who have high volume of shots, decent XG, and like I, I even I know people question kind of his ability to finish sometimes and you know he might take three four five chances before he gets the goal but that that's not necessarily an issue for me the one thing where I like him in particular is I think he actually scored uh, in both games against Leicester last season um and and obviously you can read as much as you want into kind of previous games against kind of opponents but uh, th- there's something there that made me actually look at him and even think you know, maybe I want to go there as early as this week instead of a Sterling or a KDB to try and be a bit different. I probably won't do it, but it was a it was a statistic that kind of I I came across, and I I you know I think he's a great option. Um, I think anyone playing up front for City, whether whether it's Aguero or Jesus, is is always someone that you should be considering. Yeah, and I guess that moves us on to. Um, I mean, what do you think about Foden, for example? Obviously, he played yesterday. He scored yesterday. Now, we knew Mahrez had a short, he'd had a short break, a short off-season. So we probably knew he wasn't going to play. Maybe there's less chance that Foden starts the next game because Mahrez could be in line to start. But then who knows with Pep Roulette. So, I mean, is, is Foden someone you're eyeing up? No, I mean, I had him in my uh, wildcard draft that I spoke about on the pod last week. Um and I just decided that um, prior to to the deadline that it just it just wasn't for me. I think there's 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 you know there's lots of things looking at it you know um, after after last night and him scoring that he came over nine points. It all sounds great. Got ninety minutes, nine points, great. You've got to remember last year I think he played less than a thousand minutes. Okay, um, he um, he's still only twenty years old. There's a lot of competition there. Mares, Ferran Torres, um, Bernardo Silva. Um, I think that he's great, um, obviously, when he plays at that price. But it's going to be a roller coaster ride the whole way through. And I think if you're going to go for Foden, you've just got to stick with it the whole time. And I kind of feel that for me, you know, every single game. I'm going to be checking the team sheet and more often than not, I'm going to be disappointed. And I feel like, you know, playing pet roulette is a risky game and I'd rather just actually concentrate on the likes of KDB or Sterling um, or both. Um, And I think the other thing is he takes up a city spot, which is, you know, could be used further down the line for Aguero. It could be used if you want to triple up on them now with um, KDB Sterling, Jesus. It but could they're all be used... rotation risks, aren't they? I mean, even if you know, even if yeah, you're Maris, but not in, don't know not in the same play. way. I kind of feel like KDB, um, KDB and Sterling. I'd say you know will play more games than not. Um, the Jesus Aguero thing's a bit of an issue, yes. But right now, obviously, you're you're good to go with Jesus for a bit until, like you said, after the international break at least. Um, you know, even even defensively, 
you know, once Laporte's back, you know, he's an option. You know, it's not it's not probably the best move to get a City defender in because, again, he blocks you having three attackers. But you know that they will keep a lot of clean sheets this, this season and, and Laporte can be a great source of points. So I just feel like Foden is could be a bit of a a blocker to enable you to have a bit more flexibility around city assets really um so neil i mean you mentioned obviously the the fixtures you saw that they could score a lot of goals against you know leicester leeds arsenal west ham sheffield united um to name a few i mean how would you feel about foden for those games obviously bearing in mind that there is some risk over minutes yeah, I'm actually not too bothered about the the risk over minutes, as as you said. Like, I think all, all city options are are always kind of prone to potential rotation. The one thing I, I I think about Foden that that we've kind of not talked about much in the FPL community is we've all always kind of assumed that he's going to be this replacement for David Silva now that he's mm. moved out. Um, but I actually think, look, when was the last time Foden played in in a free in in the midfield? Right, he's been playing as part of the front three for quite a while now. Um, obviously, that was because David Silva was still there. But again, in, in this game against Wolves, he was part of the front three. Um, and I actually think that, and also from what I hear from, from the Athletic, um, is that Pep actually sees him more in, in that type of role um, than he does in that midfield three. So I think if, if you think about it through those terms, that you get a 6.5 million player as part of the front three of Manchester City, then I think he's incredibly appealing. Even if he does miss kind of, you know, one in three games, that doesn't really bother me because I still think he'll prove exceptional value over the season. So for me, he's someone that I'm, I'm strongly considering. I may even bring him in this week, even knowing that maybe he doesn't even start against Leicester because I think ultimately he will prove to be value. And in the games that he does start, he probably returns quite well. And actually, if you average it out, he'll he'll probably still more than be worth 6.5 million. Yeah, I'm I'm the same as you there. I mean, at the end of last season, I had De Bruyne, Sterling and Mares, And I was taking the same risk with Mares that I'd be taking with Foden now. So while I don't think he's as good a player as Mares, I just think while we've got less, you know, there's less gems around at the moment, less cheap gems around. So I just feel like I can't afford to go for three premium City players. So I'll just go for Foden as uh, on my wild card. I'll go for Foden as just a, you know, a high upside gamble for that for that price. But we we'll move on now to our fourth topic. Do we go light at the back to fit in all the premiums? Do you guys think about maybe avoiding, for example, Trent Robertson? A lot of people have players like that. Some people have two. So we got a question from Anand Sindhu on Twitter. Who Who is the better pick, Robertson or TAA? 0.5 million saved could be vital. So, I mean, Neil, do you have Robertson or Trent? And would you consider if you maybe if you're on wildcard or down the line going light at the bat, you know, so you can spend more money up front? Yeah, I have. I have Trent right now. Um, I've been one of his biggest cheerleaders for the last couple of years. But I have to admit that I have a theory that Liverpool have actually adjusted the way that they're playing and they're actually not trying to be as reliant on Trent um, as they have been. So if you look at kind of before restart last season and look at Trent and Robertson, the touches that Trent had, like overall touches in the opponent's half, even in final third, all in Trent's favor. After Project Restart switched to Robertson, he was also taking half the corners. 
Um, he's continued to do that in the new season. Obviously, only two games so far, but touches, opposition, final third, all with Robertson. And I have a theory that it's not necessarily that Trent was a little off the pace because he was a bit injured in preseason. But actually, I think Liverpool were quite deliberately trying to vary the way that they they progress the ball and move forward. And I also think the signing of Thiago also plays into that theory. So I think that Trent might not be quite as good as an attacking asset as he has been in the last year or so. So I would be open to perhaps trying to save that 0.5. I'm still a little bit scared to do it or, or to kind of advocate for it. But I do think it's something worth watching. Would, would um, you go a step further and not have either of them then? Or is it a case of you'd, you'd want one? Yeah, but I do, do you know what? I really just don't like too many of the cheap options in defence. I, I really think there's no like real standouts, even at 4.5. I think, you know, Walker Peter shows he can attack, but, you know, Southampton's defence looked horrific. Lamptey, for me, has been probably the most impressive player I've seen this season. Um, I've been so impressed with him. Um, And I think from an attacking perspective, he's going to get your returns defensively as well, probably. Um, Obviously picked up a little bit of a a, a niggle, so you've got to watch that. But I'd say Lamptey, for me, easily the pick of, of what I've seen. I think I like the fives. I think you could make an argument for just having three five mils um that you play every week and you could potentially even go you know maybe maybe one or even two wolves maybe a dyer maybe a reese james i think i'd be more comfortable with kind of locking in with just three five mil defenders that i'm going to play nearly every week maybe a 4.5 in reserve I, i wouldn't mind going down that route and then just ditching kind of the premiums um the one thing i would say is that i think there's more value in attack so if you want to be fitting in those premium midfielders you could also be i i honestly think there's an argument to kind of go free strikers between six and seven mil right so i definitely think savings can be found to go heavy in midfield yeah i agree with you about the 4.5s i mean lamptey's my favorite one i think justin he's I mean, I think he's been quite lucky with his points. I mean, he won a penalty in the first game week. And I think that was the only time he got in the box. And then I know last week he scored, but he looked like from a non-FPL perspective, he looked poor. And I mean, I think he could get dropped, you know, pretty shortly. I mean, what what do you think, Josh? I mean, Trent Robertson, would you want either or both of them? I mean, in an ideal world, you'd have both because they're just great. They're consistent scorers. You know, at the end of the season, they're going to be finishing on you know, 175 to 200 and 225 points, probably each of them. They're, 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 they're great. Um, I think this season you could only go with one of them purely because of the amount of premium midfielders and forwards we've got. Um, I think for me uh, at the moment, I think it's best to go with Trent for the simple reason being is, is, is he's obviously more expensive than Robertson. So it's an easy downgrade to Robertson if we see in a few weeks' time that we're like, okay, actually, you know, we've had, you know, four, five, six game weeks on it now. You know, it's not looking quite as one-sided between the two of them as it was last season. Um, it's an easy downgrade, but to get what? from Rob, Rob, Robertson up to TAA, you know, it's it's, it's going to be harder to obviously find that 0.5 to do that. 
Would the move get any easier, though? Because obviously, if that happens, you know, Trent will start going down in price. Robertson will start going up in price. They get, you know, more a bit like Salah yeah. and Mane last year. And then I get what you're saying. It's easier to downgrade than upgrade. But I just think I'd struggle to find a free transfer to do that move. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, it. um, it's very sideways, and it's obviously, like you said, you know, it's a bit of a waste of a transfer. Um, yeah. I, but I, I think, um, you know, I've always been very pro Trent or and Robbo or, or definitely one of them. But I do think that um, I agree with Neil. You know, the, the, there is the option of going with with neither, and and I do agree also with Neil in the sense that the fives are where I really really like some of the, the options at, at those spots. I think you you can get some more value out of going for those than their more expensive other essentially. So you know you know I, I quite like Coleman over Dina. I quite like Sice over Bolly. If he continues to start, Shaw over Wambasaka, Lindelof over Maguire. You know, there's 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 um there's some value there definitely to be had. I think with all of them, every single one of them really, there is a little bit of a risk that is attached to each of them in terms of rotation. I wouldn't say any of you know James Sice, um the ones I mentioned Shaw. Um, uh, none of them are completely nailed um but i think the good thing about them is, is is that you know they do definitely represent value and you know not every there's not many players that that play absolutely every game you look at these even if you look at trent and robbo they're going to miss a few games from rotation from the champions league obviously uh, Liverpool bought that left back in the summer. There's cover to Robbo. There's no doubt that he's gonna he's gonna miss a few games. Of that so, I think you've just got to look at it and go look. You know, would I be happy if I got, you know, 35 games out of them? Obviously subject to injury. Then yeah, great. You know, they miss a few, and I think, I think yeah, value's great there. Really, it's a shame the Wolves defenders they don't have better options because like you said size i think he's fantastic at five yeah despite the small but rotation risk bolly obviously is 5.5 then you've got cody who i think we mentioned last week has like zero attacking threat he, i mean he does cody is arguably the most boring player on the game but yeah you know so the, hit, the one thing you've got to say you? with, the, <laughs> with your yeah. safe approach or not <laughs> i I've never owned Connor Cody, and if I do, please have a have a have a you know a strong <laughs> chat with me. But the one thing I would say about him is, you know, Wolves' defence is a lot stronger than it's been since they've come into the Premiership. Um, he is their captain. He is the most nailed, um, even ahead of Willie Bolly. Um, and I think that for that reason, at five million, I mean, you know. They won two nil game week one. He picked up two bonus points. So there is a you know little how, bit of a... Do you know how many bonus points he got last season? Because I have already looked this up. Yes, I'm just looking now. Seven and six the season before. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, it's dull. It's dull. It's really dull. But if they churned out 15 clean sheets this season, probably more. You know, it, it's not the yeah. worst pick. I, I, um, I can't lie. I've been on my wildcard. I've been squeezing funds and... I have thought, oh, it's easier than getting Bolly in, but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't tried yet. Sice is way more fun, way more fun. He's had the most shots in the box for defenders. Yeah. This season. He also last season he had the most big chances of all defenders apart from Doherty. I went, I went for him over Doherty, and mm. yeah, it didn't go very well. But <laughs> just about I, I catching I've... it at the right time, isn't it? Really, but I, yeah. 
I, I, you know, size is the more fun pick. But yeah, if you if you um, you know, if you want a, a solid, don't ever need to check the team sheet. Then yeah, I think Cody Cody's got merits. Put it that way. And out of, out of all the five point naught defenders from the better team, so excluding the likes of Bertrand and Egan and players like that, I think Cody's definitely the most nailed. The only word of warning I would say on Wolves, because I've also thought about, you know, could it be viable to double up, is Nuno has talked about how he wants to evolve them as a team and the way they play this season. And actually, I mean, he hasn't explicitly said to be more defensively, to be less defensively solid, but he has talked about how that was very much the backbone of the team previously and how they want to kind of evolve their playing style. And I also think that's part of the reason why they did sell kind of Doherty in terms of how they approach games. So having kind of Neto, Podent next to, to Jimenez and, and also selling Jota as well, I think also influences that future direction. So there is part of me that wonders whether they will be as defensively solid if they are looking to be a little more attacking in the way that they play. You've given me the perfect segue there, Neil. So we can now move into budget midfielders. So obviously you mentioned Podence. So we've got a question on Slack from Jeff Pedder. And he's asking, is having both Foden and Podence too much of a risk rotation-wise? I think one of my concerns with Wolves was always they're not very attacking. So, I mean, what do you think of Podence, um, you know, after the game last night, for example? Yeah, I mean, I thought he was really impressive. I, I've, I've been impressed with him for a while. Um, I, I really like him. I think that based on that performance, it's unlikely that he will lose his place in the team. The one thing I would say is if they do bring in that right back, then, you know, there is the risk that Traore kind of plays on the, the right of that front three. I think yeah. Neto is maybe, you know, he has been the one who's been occupying the more left-sided uh, role in that team. So whether Podence just, you know, moves over there and replaces him or whether they're kind of sharing it 50-50 or whether they feel that Neto is better on that side, I think that's what we need to be wary of. But I think from a performance basis, like, I mean, it's his, his shirt to lose. I think he was the most impressive Wolves player on the pitch. So it would be very harsh if, if he lost his place in the next game or the next couple of games. Yeah, I think before that game, I was a bit concerned about what you say about, you know, Samado coming in at right back. Um, obviously, Traore's, he used to be a wing back, but he's, it's not his best position. Um, so I was a bit worried that maybe Podence, you know, he could get dropped. However, I think, like you say, it's hard for him to lose lose that shirt after after the performance yesterday, especially obviously nutmegging uh, De Bruyne is pretty impressive. Um, I mean, what do you think, Josh? We've got a question from Panajot, who's asking for an ASM replacement, so some maximum replacement. Um, I mean, would someone like Podence be someone you're looking at, or would you lean more towards towards Foden? Obviously, I know you're not a massive fan of Foden as a as a FPL asset at the moment. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a big fan of Foden as a footballer. I just think, yeah, just it's it's, it's um it's pet roulette, and um yeah. and I think yeah. sometimes that can uh well not sometimes more often than not that ends in tears. So if you want to play that <laughs> game, go for it. But um, I don't I'm not sure it's for me. Um, I think Podence, yeah, 100 is the best five and a half replacement for for um, some maximum. Podence is in my team. He's in my wildcard team. I um, actually benched him this week. He was my first on the bench. I, I wasn't 100% sure he was going to start. I actually expected him to play 3-5-2 with Traore and Jimenez up front and to find another solution uh, at right wing back, really. But yeah, he looked great. Um, really happy to have him. And I think if I had have originally gone for Foden, I probably wouldn't have Podent. So I'm actually pleased that I've got him um, out of the two of them. 
Um, and moving forward with their fixtures, yeah, I mean, it's, it's looking too good to be true. Really, he is Diego Jota, isn't he? He's, he's Diego Jota as a 5.5 midfielder, but potentially, you know, slightly better as in, you know, we all know that Jota's been a massive troll over um, over recent seasons in terms of, you know, blowing hot and cold. So, yeah, I think he's a great a great asset and definitely the pick, pick of the 5.5s. Other options really, um, Cleek or Klitsch at uh, Leeds, obviously he's on pens, obviously Leeds are going to get, you know, a good volume of goals. I think we've got to bear in mind, like uh, Alan said, um, they've scored uh, seven goals already, but from an XG um, of 1.69. So they are massively, massively overperforming um, in terms of uh, goals. Um I think other options, there's not a great deal. I actually took Decore on my wild card. It's probably my only pick that I'm regretting, um, but you never get it all right. So um, I think I'll have to move him on at some point after their uh, after their fixture runs finished. So how are you guys thinking about Matthias Pereira? Because I have him still in my team at for six mil right now. Obviously did did well at the weekend. Was a little lucky on the points, kind of lucky assist and and banged in a free kick, but. Have you guys considered him at all? I think it's between him and Dean Garner for me. Obviously, Dean Garner's a little bit cheaper, half a million cheaper. I mean, I wouldn't hate the pick. I just, I think there's so many midfielders at the moment. Obviously, I'm on wild card, and I must admit, I've not considered him at all. I guess, especially because they've got Chelsea next, but then they do have Southampton. I just um, wouldn't want a West Brom player anywhere near my team, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think, yeah, because I mean, there's so I, many midfielders. I currently, I currently have three of them, so. Uh... Wow. <laughs> Does that include maybe, the goalkeeper? Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. Please tell me it's the two keepers. It is. It is. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, Fulham have looked pretty bad so far, particularly game week one, but I just feel West Brom are awful. Um, I mean, looking at XG, they're bottom for the first two game weeks comfortably on 0.75. Um, and, you know, in terms of um, XGC, expected goals conceded, they're top, as in, you know, they're worst. By again a comfortable amount, um, six point eight zero, and they've conceded they've conceded eight. So it's not it's not looking you know too good for them. Uh, I think the thing with Billich they did as have well, ten men, didn't they? They did have ten men, and obviously they've conceded two penalties. Yeah, so to defend them a little bit. The thing is, he's, he's he's weirdly changed formation from the little I know about them from last season because I don't watch a great deal or any Championship football, but. Is that it, I think he's he's started to play three of the three uh, centre backs and wing backs, and that's not something they've done in the past. And it's 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 like you know I think Bilic whenever he's on whenever he's on as a pundit, he's an amazing pundit when we have you know European Championships and World Cups. But when it comes to his management, like to go into a new season back in the Premiership and change formation when you're probably the most favoured team in the league for relegation, it takes some balls. And mm. I think if you saw Bilic, like, well, he, he got sent off at the weekend, didn't he? Um, sent to the stands, I should say. Um, and um, I think he's one of those managers that once he loses his head, is gone. And I wouldn't be surprised to see his head roll before Christmas. Well, as much fun as talking about West Brom is, I think, guys, it's time for the Iceman's pit.
Welcome back, listeners. So we're moved straight on to our questions. Now we've got little time left, so we're trying to move through these briefly, guys. So first of all, we got a question from Jeff Pedder. He's asking, so one word, guys, DCL or Hammers, who do you prefer? So Josh, we'll go to you first this time. DCL. DCL. That's three. Yeah, I prefer DCL as well. So next question is from Alan. Who's asking, how should we handle the congested fixture schedule that clubs in European competitions will face? We'll go to you this time, Neil. I mean, is there any are you taking paying any attention to the fixtures congestion? No, don't don't worry about it. Um, would be would be my advice and just just roll with it and accept it. And yeah, there'll be rotation um, and we'll just have to deal with it as it comes. I no, I agree. I agree. That's why I'm not letting Spurs like worry me too much. I mean, I know you might be looking at it. At that a bit more Josh I mean what's your thoughts on that I actually think another way of looking at it is what strong teams are there that don't have European uh, commitments and the two that stand out for me at the moment good fixture runs both looking really promising is Everton and Wolves um, you know if you're if you're bringing in their assets you don't have to have that on your mind and therefore are they potentially as attractive as some of the teams Spurs, Arsenal, Leicester, who have European commitments. Obviously, you know, um, Liverpool and, and, and City are, are on another level. But I think, you know, have a look at Everton and Wolves' assets maybe a little bit more because of because they don't have that. Therefore, yeah. don't have to worry so much about rotation. And also, they shouldn't be as tired. Makes sense. Perfect. So our next question is Ginger Assassin. He's asking, after the Feast of Goals this weekend, how likely is it the teams try to shut up shop next week and we get a drab set of games? Are Fulham, Southampton, West Brom, Burnley, etc. even capable of doing that? So, I mean, what, what do you think, Neil? I mean, obviously, we're going to get less goals this weekend, I'd imagine, because that was a Premier League record. Yeah, the way that I'm looking at it is I'm actually looking at it in terms of captaincy. So I think what we want from captaincy is e- e- explosive returns. Um, I think Fulham WBA probably just leak goals throughout the season, one to two a game. But I'm kind of more interested in the Leeds, Southampton, Brighton defences that I think because of the way they play, they're more susceptible to kind of letting in three plus goals. Um, And I think that those sides are not necessarily capable of shutting up shop. Bielsa even said today that, you know, 4-1 up, he's not going to shut up shop. He's still going to go for it and, you know, conceding goals as a consequence. So I think those teams are kind of incapable you know, the Leeds, the Southamptons and the Brightons, I think they, they're going to be fairly leaky throughout the season. So I, I think the goals will continue, but I would look more at them rather than the ones that will just consistently leak like one or two, like Fulham and West Brom. I like, I like that take on it. Um, I mean, Josh, what do, you, what do you think? I think that being a feast of goals this weekend, everything regresses back to the mean, really. Um you know, right now we're questioning, do we need to put so much money in defence? You know, is it is it is it worth it? We should plough everything forward. And then all of a sudden we'll, we'll be looking and going, oh, we need Trent and Robbo. We need Luca Dina. Matt Doherty's now looking great. And, and it will and it'll change. And at the moment, the focus is all on premium uh, midfielders. And, and, and we knew that it would be. But there will be a period when we look at premium defenders and then there will probably also be a period when, you know, Aguero and Kane are both banging at the same time and we need to start looking at how we can get a premium striker in. 
it always happens across the course of the season. But at the moment, we are looking at light at the back and and, and pushing money forward. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to last for too long, I don't think. No, perfect. And our final question is from Jay Ros, who's mentioned, you know, patience paid off for Kane, Son, Ings and Mane owners that held. How much more time would you give United and Chelsea attacking asset? It also goes along with a question that's been asked on Twitter from the FPL Banger, who also does an FPL podcast. They're asking, would you keep or dump Werner? For example, you've already mentioned you guys that you're going to keep Martial for now. Um, what would you do with Werner, Neil? I mean, do you have Werner? Yeah, I do. And I'm I'm keeping for sure. I actually have mm. no hesitation. Um, I think I must have been watching different games to everyone else because I think everyone else has been moaning about him. But from what I've seen, I felt like he was quite sharp. Clearly Chelsea's best attacking threat. From playing Bundesliga fantasy after Project Restart as well, I'm kind of familiar with Werner in terms of his fantasy return. So he, he will quite regularly kind of go 0-0, zero, zero, you know, in terms of returns. And then he'll, he'll, he'll do double digits, double digits. And he seems to kind of be a a very explosive asset, actually, rather than a consistent asset. Um, so I, I, and I feel that that's going to play out here as well. But to me, he's very sharp. Uh, I, I'm more than happy to keep him, actually. Yeah, and he's fast, isn't he? He's really, really fast. I mean, Josh, what do you think about Werner? I've got him. I'm keeping him. Uh, next two games are West Brom away, Crystal Palace at home, good fixtures. And then after the international back, uh, break, you'll get the likes of Pulisic and Zayac back. And... While I've always aired caution on that we'll take time to gel um, with all these new signings, we will look better with those two added in. Um, and I think that um, we'll then start to see the best of Werner. I also feel like he's built for the Premiership, like his his stature and his speed way more than Kai Havertz. And I know that's all good saying in hindsight, but you've got you know Kai Havertz is very slight build. He's he's young and. I think that, yeah, I think Werner's going to be great for us. Yeah, Pulisic is the one I want, but I understand. I mean, if I wasn't wildcarding Werner against West Brom, you know, I'd, I'd give him that game, especially after the, met, the stats you mentioned earlier with the expected goals conceded, etc. So our final question is from Tim Allison, and I believe um, you might know him, Neil. Um, he's asking, favourite goal last season other than the Chris Wood bicycle kick? Yeah, so I think what he's really asking here is not really what what was my favourite goal last season, but I think he's asking me about the Chris Wood bicycle kick. So yeah, I might be I might be on Twitter kind of talking about the data and pretending I'm this kind of you know cool and calm FPL manager making very informed decisions. But uh, at the end of last season, it's, I think it was game week 37 when Burnley played Norwich. You know, me and my friend Tim, we, he said, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, oh, well, actually, I'm home alone. And he said, oh, so am I. And we said, oh, let's catch up and have a beer and watch a game. And, and the game that was coming up was the Burnley game. And I said, do you know what? Let's, let's both transfer Chris Wood in and captain him. <laughs> and, and we'll have a few beers and watch the game. So we, we did it just purely for a laugh. And then I think he went to the fridge to get a beer and I shouted, you know, what, what? I was like, Chris Woods just scored a bicycle kick. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where it's just like, well, you know, this is why you play FPL in, in the good moments, yeah. right? Where it's just like, we're watching Burnley against Norwich and a Burnley player's just scored a bicycle kick and we're kind of going crazy <laughs> in the kitchen. So, yeah, that, that was my favourite favorite goal last season, definitely from an FPL perspective. 
you're right. I mean, that's what that makes the game fun because otherwise, who would watch Norwich against Burnley? I mean, no offence to that game, but <laughs> no, that's, yeah. that's brilliant. Got some feedback this week. So from Simon Ratton. After Planet FPL Pod, my second favourite FPL podder is currently Josh Paxman from FPL Surgery, although he sounds just like Rylan. So, Josh, give us your, your Rylan impression. Yeah, I was, um, I was pretty amazed by that. Um, I mean, last week it was uh, Mr. Fish saying that I uh, had an incredibly therapeutic and reassuring voice. And this week, um, Simon's mentioning that I look, uh, I, sorry, I look, no, definitely doesn't look, I sound like Ryan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, great uh, that he, he's enjoying my input. And obviously, everyone loves James from Planet FPL. So, uh, nice to be spoken about in the same, like, you know, sentence as him. So, um, yeah, don't really know what to make of it. And, yeah, uh, Ryland sent you a tweet as well, didn't he? So. He responded to the tweet that this Simon guy put on Twitter, basically joking about how no one should go on X Factor. You'll regret it, which yeah. is quite amusing. If, you, uh, if you've got a spare minute, check it out on Twitter. It's on uh, the FPL Surgery uh, Twitter page. Yeah, fingers crossed one week it would be me, you and me, you and Rylan chatting FPL on the Yeah, pod. why not? Maybe we could do that in one of the international breaks. Yeah, brilliant. So we'll we move on to our partner chat. So Mikkel Tokvam's algorithm, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. So obviously he's doing Iceman's team and he said, I keep an eye on you, James. Finally listening to the algorithm and not doing your tinkering move of sun to anyone paid off this time. As discussed last game week, Auburn needs to go. Now St. Maximum has revealed himself as the man to take company with him out the door. The best BCV alternative is Abamyang to Rashford, leaving 8 million for some maximum replacement. James Rodriguez is a very popular option, but not amongst the best in the algorithm. The reason for, the reason for this is some meagre underlying statistics for James. Trossard is slightly favoured to Zaha, Barnes and Podence, but it's very close. All three give substantial BCV increase that injures some maximum. If Podence impresses versus City, here's your man straight away. So Podence did impress against City. So maybe, Iceman, your best and maximum replacement is Podence and Aubameyang to Rashford. So we are also partnered with Fantasy Football Hub and have been given the exclusive sign-up code offer of Surgery15. So if you go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign up for for 15% off there. That code again, it's surgery15. Just go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk. And we are partnered with FPL Doodles. That's at FPL Doodles one on Twitter. Now he does the artwork for the pod release tweet each and every week. And, you know, we really do appreciate that. So we're going to move now onto our trapped So our transfers and captains. So Neil, what's your transfer and who's your captain? Yeah, well, everyone is transferring out Aubameyang and St. Maximin, it appears, and I will probably be doing the same and taking another hit this week. And while I've seen most people go for KDB and Podence, I am currently weighing up Sterling and Foden. Um, I'm going to have to make it when we finish recording because I think St. Maximin's going down and there's a few fluctuations happening. So, yeah, that, that's probably what I will do. Um, but, yeah, I, I will figure that out in the next five, ten minutes. Um, and captain will be probably Salah or Werner, although I haven't spent too much time looking at it yet. But I think they're the, the front runners for me and probably tip towards Werner at this point. But let's see. Awesome. And what about you, Josh? What's your transfer and who's your captain? Transfer is uh, Bamiang to Sterling. 
captain, I think, will be KDB this week. Brilliant. And I'm on wildcard and I've already clicked the button. Obviously, like I said last week, I pre-planned it as well. So my team at the moment, and th- I mean, this is subject to change. I've got Martinez and Steer in goal. My defenders are James, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Saiz with Lamptey and Mitchell on the bench. I've got three City midfielders, Foden, Sterling and De Bruyne. I've also got Sun and Podence. So I've got five pretty strong midfielders there, I hope. And my strikers are Kane and Wood with Brewster on the bench, I think. I'm looking at the moment at three City midfielders, keeping Trent and having Son and Kane as well. So, yeah, I will be quite reliant on Spurs and um, Man City attack. And I I mean, I am looking at ways. I think I can either have Trent or I can either have Salah. I can't have both. I I hate losing Werner, but I only want him for this game. And just uh, just I... watch out when you get to game week nine. City, City play Spurs. <laughs> That's fine. I think it'll probably be four all. And yeah, pl- you'll, you'll, be... Need, you'll, you'll need it to be or you'll have a horrific game week. <laughs> to, to be honest, I mean, Son is a placeholder. I'm not going to stick with double Spurs for long. Son's a placeholder for Pulisic. He's the, the Chelsea player I want when he's back. And I mean, maybe Kane's a placeholder for Aguero. We, you know, we will see. Um, as it stands with this team, I would captain Kane. And yeah, I think that's about it. But that could change. So that's my team. That's my wildcard team for now. So Josh, do you want to quickly run over the the mini leagues? Yeah. So the main uh, FPL surgery podcast league. Uh, So in fifth position, we've got James Fern. Uh, Joint third, Harry Wall and Andrew Kennedy. In second is Tim Lee. And first is Megamind Bandari. The FPL Surgery Patreon League uh, in fifth place is Carlos Carranza. Uh, fourth is Gabriel Castellonus. Third is um, Adi Yakov. Second is Jonathan Erez. And first is still Jonathan Truelove. And Neil, do you mind quickly running through your three best picks for game week three, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mentioned two of them kind of in my captaincy considerations there. So it's mm-hmm. Salah um, and Werner, I think, will be will be great options this week. And like I said earlier, I think Jesus against Leicester is also a very interesting option. So I think for me, they're probably my three main picks for this game week every time a guest says the best three picks I, I never have more than one of them and in your case i have none of them so <laughs> maybe, maybe i need to reconsider some of my wild card but what what three differentials do you have for us yeah so my differentials i i don't think you'd have any of these i think they're pretty out there i i haven't played it safe here so <laughs> i i actually i really like the look of Neil Morpé against against Newcastle and, and just looking at that United defence and, and how shaky they looked against Palace, I think that he could actually have some joy uh, there actually against them. So I've gone for Neil Morpé. Um, I think Pedro Neto playing West Ham, they haven't been great uh, in terms of the, the right-hand side of their defence. They've conceded quite a lot of chances there. And if Neto, if 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 the right back from Barcelona hasn't signed yet, I would imagine Neto still starts on that left. And mm. and while a lot of people are looking at Podence, I actually think Neto might have a have a strong game this week. Um, and then finally, like I, I just think that the way that that Leeds play invites so much from an attacking perspective for the other team, even if that team happens to be Sheffield United. And I think Burke looked really, really sharp and quite fast uh, against Villa. 
And I liked the the kind of positions he was getting into, and I can imagine him kind of exploiting um, the way that the Leeds defence kind of plays out from the back. Uh, so Oliver Burke is actually my third differential. I knew as quite an aggressive player, you wouldn't let us down with some very differential <laughs> differentials there. So very yeah, different. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to be keeping my eyes on those at the weekend. So we've got Morpé, Neto and Oliver Burke. So yeah. yeah, all eyes on those at the weekend. Please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Please join the FPL Surgery Podcast League. The code is 439HW9. Check us out at fplsurgery.com. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter at fpl surgery subscribe on itunes and remember please rate the podcast five stars or you can email us info at fplsurgery.com so neil um, thanks so much for joining us this week um i mean do you have any social media our listeners can find you on or obviously anything you'd like to plug so basically playmaker tell us about it <laughs> yeah sure well i can do it super short so basically it's a it's an app where we have fpl discussion stats uh from opta uh, live rank uh, community all in one app you can find it on the google play store or apple app store it's completely free um, just search playmaker and you will find it so do give it a go uh, on match days we we kind of have this experience where we feed in your live rank and the opt powered live chat uh, and and also kind of a more forum style discussion download it and give it a go and you can find me on twitter at ronnie Dino. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and I mean, Playmaker, honestly, I've, I've been on it since the, you know, the beta testing. It's it's brilliant. And I love that you've added overall rank to it as well. And yeah, the, the match day experience, you know, looking at all the Opta stuff come through. I really do recommend tr- checking it out. So like like Neil said, go to the App Store, Google Play, and it's called Playmaker. But Neil, honestly, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to be keeping a close eye on those differentials. Yeah, I think I might have gone a bit bit too out there but let's see how they do and thank you for having me it's been a pleasure cheers right. more pay hat trick and um josh one more thing to say up the pod up the pod up the pod i'm going to change the intro bit i'm going to say the sun is shining and caning. <laughs> no, the first one was better. The first one was, oh, I don't know, because I don't want to have to do a Bob Marley The sun accent. is shining and cane is assisting. Because, yeah, before I had the sun is shining, the weather is cane. Like, what, 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 what? I want to make it as crap as possible. We